Welcome to another one of My Cockpit's informational podcasts. Because of all of you, My Cockpit is the largest home cockpit builders community in the world. You can access My Cockpit at www.mycockpit.org. This podcast is about tips and discussions on how to plan and build your cockpit. Many new builders ask questions such as, where to start? How much will it cost? How much time will it take? And many, many more questions. This session and future sessions are with the infamous cockpit builder, Ian, known at mycockpit.org as Ian at 737NG. Ian is interviewed by our very own Bybow. Lots of excellent cockpit building information coming your way. Hello everyone. As always, I have with us our very own Ian. Ian, as you all know, is a renowned 737 home cockpit builder based in the United Kingdom. You can, of course, catch more details on Ian and his amazing home cockpit uh, project from his very own website, www.737ng.co.uk. I'm sure you'll find wealth of information and and all of Ian's experience can get quick access to that from there. Welcome, Ian. Uh, Thanks for joining us for this edition of podcast again. You're very welcome. Pleasure to be here. You know that. Yeah, of course, Ian. So how are things with you, Ian? I heard down the western side of the world uh, it's been snowing heavily. Uh, well, okay, well, winter is still with us in the UK. It's um, not very warm, however, um, uh, not as bad as it's been uh, in the US. But uh, uh, temperatures here are overnight still in the minus figures. You know, they're negative, um, but the sun comes out. And although we can't sunbathe, it does reach a very high three. Uh, so uh, weather, winter's still here. Spring is on its way. Well, I can imagine. You're already in midst of summer, I feel. I'm sweating already at 30 degrees Celsius here. So, yeah, things change across the other side of the world, I guess. Uh, well, you know, that's the seasons for you, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Ian, before we start, uh, I thought I'll take this opportunity to give a quick recap to our uh, listeners because we are just starting off from our previous podcast. Because in the previous podcast, Ian took us through some important parameters that a home cockpit builder needs to consider some of which we discussed at length are the budgets, skills, expectations, and space. We also spoke at length on platforms, um, FS2004, FS10, X-Planes, and, of course, the software, Semavionics, Project Magenta, Flydeck software, and, of course, most importantly, we did discuss the aircraft. You can can access the previous edition of the podcast from www.mycockpit.org. And, of course, you can also catch the previous edition of podcasts and also every other edition of these podcasts from uh, Ian's website, www.737ng.co.uk. Okay, Ian, we'll just get started. And I understand we're going to talk about inputs this time. So, Ian, um, just forgive me for being a layman, but what does inputs mean and how does that have any relationship with a home cockpit builder? Okay, well, basically, um, an input is a vehicle by which you instruct your flight simulator, your add-on aircraft, your third-party software to actually undertake an action. Um, Now, basically, these break down into four main categories. Um, Starting at the bottom, the most basic form of input, and we will all be familiar with these, are key sends. Um, The second one, Uh, of course, is the joystick axis and button presses. Uh, Moving up the ladder, when you become a little bit more skilled, 
you start to learn to manipulate commands and um, actual offsets before finally getting to the top of the tree, really, where you start to use dedicated hardware, software interfaces, sometimes over a network, sometimes all on one machine. But for me, basically, inputs a vehicle to actually get your simulator to do something and um, uh, to action a command, really. Oh, well, I think I'm now pretty clear on what inputs mean. So essentially, inputs will help the home cockpit builder to get away from the mouse and keyboard. Is that right, Ian? Uh, absolutely. Um, the, uh, once people become involved in simulating, for me, especially for me, uh, the first thing I wanted to do was to get rid of the mouse and the keyboard out of the cockpit. And um, I would put money on that the majority of simmers also want to achieve that state. Um, you know, basically, uh, a, a keyboard and a, a mouse don't belong in the cockpit, so let's do something about it. That's my dream, and I hope by end of our series, uh, my dream will be a reality soon. Now, I can't wait to hear about this more, uh, Ian. What does key sense mean? Uh, right, well, basically, a key send is the most basic type of input into a simulator. Uh, for example, FS, FSX, they come loaded with a vast selection of key commands to achieve just about anything in the basic version of your simulator. And then, of course, just about every major add-on we have will have some kind of configuration menu that will allow you to assign spare key sends to their product. The result is you will actually be able to fly the sim and the aircraft from the keyboard. Not very well, but at least you'll get airborne. Uh, you know, so basically the key send is the most basic form of instruction. Personally, I don't like key sends. Uh, they can be untidy. And unless you keep a separate record of assignments, um, like in an Excel file or a Word file, it's so easy to assign a keystroke to two different functions. Um, an example, uh, you've assigned a key, uh, shift plus L, to the taxi lights. But unbeknown to you, the add-on developer has assigned that function to something in their product. Um, so you turn on what you think of the taxi lights, and you just can't understand why Toga's engaged. You're having a bad day. So be very careful with key sends, because cross-controlling is so easy. Um, so... My advice is, of course, uh, keep a record of what is assigned to what. Um, several things happen. Uh, you reduce the chance of assigning two functions uh, with the same key send. Having a record allows you to see what the next free keystroke is, and knowing what a key does uh, makes troubleshooting easy because you know what you're looking for. Keep key sends tidy. Uh, we'll talk more about key sends later when we discuss hardware interfaces. Okay, and an important takeaway for me is that you need to keep them tidy and keep a list and record of that because it's very easy to have a conflict with, with an add-on probably. Okay, Ian, can you just explain to us on inputs, you defined the other type was joystick access and button presses. Can we talk a little bit more on that? Okay, uh, I mean, uh, joystick buttons and axes, uh, it's the first step any builder makes in removing the keyboard and mouse from the cockpit. Um, 
the first thing you're going to buy is a yoke or a joystick, depending on your, your aircraft, and a set of rudder pedals. Now, you have the ability to fly the aircraft accurately using natural actions with these um, uh, add-ons. It's a major step forward. Um, I'm not going to talk about joysticks too much because just about everybody with a computer um, can attach a USB plug and the operating system is going to install it for you. Um, but let's talk about yokes a little minute. Uh, whether you buy a simple joystick or one of the commercially available yokes from CH, uh, Satec or Ace, or whether you choose to build it yourself, accurate calibration and response is paramount. Good calibration and sensitivities give you accurate control. Spend a little time calibrating your stick in, in Windows or whatever your operating system is. Same with the rudders and brakes. Bad calibration will make your aircraft bank slowly one way. It'll slowly pitch up or down with the yoke in the centre position. Or your aircraft veers one way when you apply the brakes. We've all been there, and this is a good place to start for accurate control of your aircraft. Um, so just keep your eye on the axes. Just spend some time playing with them. The sensitivities, the slopes, the calibration. Um, it's time well spent, and you'll enjoy um, the results of your labours. Uh, okay, let's move on and talk about button presses. Uh, button, presses, button presses, to me, are a much better solution to getting things done. Um, I find them much tidier than keys. I'm actually using six joystick cards, inputting about 130 actions into my simulator. But let's assume that the basic builder has probably 10 buttons or inputs from his yoke or joystick. Okay, well, using these buttons allows a whole new array of controls to be available. Control the flaps, the parking brake, landing lights, they're all there. Uh, it's just so satisfying when you throw a switch or push a button that something happens in the sim. Uh, but again, I'd recommend keeping a record because you may assign this button in FS and then again, in your add-on, if it allows, or in FSU or IPC, if you use that. Uh, so try to avoid cross-controlling. Cross-controlling is one of the things I used to encounter uh, when I was setting everything up. That's why the idea of the input, input record came into being. Uh, on a simple build, keep it simple. Decide what platform you're going to assign your buttons in and stay with that. So, Ian, for a simple cockpit builder, I would assume the joysticks that they would use would be a yoke, a rudder pedal with brake probably, and nose wheel tiller. Am I on the right track? Well, basically, yes. I mean, uh, the, main, uh, the main flight controls are a priority, of course. Uh, the yoke, the rudders, the brakes. Um, the tiller doesn't really come into it until you start working with more sophisticated inputs, really. Okay. Um, but I'm sure we can talk about those shortly. Yeah, and moving on, can we talk about assigning accurate commands by using third-party softwares like FSUI PC, where it then becomes possible to not only action a command, but to accurately action it? Absolutely. Okay. Um, following on from the button press input, um, using third-party uh, software, 
um, like FSUIPC, for me, is the must. I mean, I have a great respect for this programming. Um, Peter's a very, very, very clever man. He's given us a vehicle where um, we can uh, manipulate all sorts of things within uh, the simulator. Um, like, for example, within FS, a huge range of commands that can be assigned to joystick buttons, uh, but generally a lot of them are uh, toggles. Uh, for example, uh, the parking brake, landing lights, strobes, etc. Uh, these are toggle commands. A toggle uh, means changing the state of a function. If it's on and you press the button assigned, it turns off. And if it's off and you input the action, it goes on. There is no distinct on-off state. Um, there are also functions within uh, FS which uh, just simply are not there. So looking at this further, how do we achieve an accurate level of control on some functions? As I said earlier, I'm a great believer in FSUIPC. I love it. I think it's amazing. Uh, it's the most cost-effective way of inputting to your simulator accurately and with a 100% success rate. Um, I, I actually have disabled the joysticks in FS, and I use FSUIPC to assign and calibrate all my axes. That's two yokes two sets of rudder pedals, throttle quadrants, steering tiller, absolutely everything. And it also handles every single button or switch input into my simulator. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, now, um, FSUIPC, uh, we all have it whether we know it or not because most add-on aircraft will add a version during the install process. Uh, if it doesn't, I'm sure you will, you'll be prompted to download it. It is a free program, um, which is licensed to certain um, add-on programs uh, for use uh, to the end user for nothing. But uh, if you have a registered version, um, the world, your oyster, it opens up everything within your simulator. And, you know, you can address absolutely everything. Um, Please register your copy because, it, A, it keeps Peter developing, and, um, and that, in turn, then means he continues to support the product. I can't recommend it high, uh, highly enough. Right, let's talk about what FSUIPC does. Um, okay, one of the um, menu options is a button and switches page. Um, it's, uh, it identifies a button or a switch when you turn it on and allows you to assign a command to that button when it's pressed. It also allows you to assign a function when the button is released. So you get two actions from one switch. Um, that's got to be good value for money. Uh, now, having just push buttons doesn't really apply itself to two actions on one switch. Uh, but we'll explore this a bit later when we discuss hardware interfaces. For now, I just want to explore what FSUIPC can do with a simple push button. If you're in the buttons and switches page, pressing a button allows FSUIPC to identify it and allows you to assign a function to that button or switch. Look at the menu page. 
first thing to note is you can make this assignment aircraft specific. That means if you fly several different aircraft in your simulator, um, you can assign this control to your Cessna, to your 737, to your Canadair, whatever. Um, aircraft specific is exactly what it says. Um, so it's great if you fly several aircraft. Um, on the left side, you can see uh, a key or repeated keys uh, can be sent when the button is pressed if you check the box. But the real beauty of FSUIPC is in the right side of the menu. Here, you can assign your switches. Checking the for FS control box allows you to identify the switch and then from the drop-down menu, select the action you want. Here is a very extensive range of commands. Um, now, remember we spoke about toggles earlier. Well, some of these commands give you a distinct on-off state. Uh, look at the strobes and landing lights, for example. Assigning strobes on when the button or switch is pressed and strobes off when released gives you accurate control of the lighting. Same applies to the landing lights, uh, but it just it doesn't end there. Um, uh, using off offset manipulation options, you can write to or change the value of a parameter in an offset when a switch is pressed and change it again when it's released. Um, something I use quite extensively. Read the manual, get the li list of offsets from Pete's website, and away you go much more accurate, accurate control. Read up about using macros, very recommended way of using inputs on mouse click spots. This technique was brilliant. I can't believe uh, what a valuable resource FSUIPC has been and uh, for any corporate builder. And uh, I can only echo Ian's view, the importance of actually researching, and uh, then you will realize the capability that the software can unleash for you. And, of course, mycockpit.org is a good um, starting point uh, besides uh, Peter Dawson's very own website. Well, Ian, finally, um, can we uh, discuss something about commercially available hardware inter interfaces? I'm, I'm aware there are quite a few of them that are available in the market. Any thoughts on those? Uh, well, the, f the first step most builders take in achieving a greater sense of realism is to make small panels and switches um, to control their SIM more specifically. That's what I did, and I guess that's what most people do. Um, I just wanted to get rid of that mouse and keyboard. Um, so any way that it was possible to control the simulator with hardware switches was definitely the way to go at the first stage. Um, you're going to hook up something like a joystick controller, uh, BU0836X or whatever but your particular favorite is. Um, this is the most simple and the cheapest way to achieve what you want. It goes a long way towards achieving realism at a small cost. Uh, these cards are seen by the OS as a joystick uh, with uh, X number of buttons. So it then follows that you can assign these inputs directly into your SIM or for even better control through FSUIPC. And then applying um, the mouse trapping technique and the macro facility, the whole SIM becomes available to you with um, hardware switches and your joystick controller. Um, or if you're still intent on using keystrokes, um, then what about a keyboard uh, emulator? 
like uh, there's the USB keys card from open cockpits or possibly one of the Hagstroms. Um, it's the same idea as a joystick card, but you're sending in keys instead of joystick button presses. Um, I've seen some limitations with key cards. I originally was using the OC um, uh, USB keys card, but the best solution uh, with these is just to use momentary or push switches. Um, from experience, I did have a few issues um, with permanently on switches, even using, di using diodes um, to map the matrix. Um, if you're going to use a keyboard emulator, uh, use push buttons or momentary switches only. Uh, but once you've got past that, it then starts to get serious. And by serious, I mean expensive. Um, you start to look at dedicated hardware software interfaces. Uh, GoFlight do some very good generic input devices, uh, the MCP Pro, the, uh, uh, the radio panel, you know, the, the, and they do some very, very good, um, reasonably priced uh, input devices. Uh, Satec have now entered the arena with their ProFlight uh, multi-panels and radios, um, their yokes and rudder pedals. Uh, I did actually have an open cockpits multi-radio in my first build. That worked very well, never let me down. And finally, getting to the top of the tree, we are seeing high-end interfaces from CP Flight, Flight Deck Solutions, etc., this kit, coupled with commercially available software instrumentation, can make for a very realistic experience, but at a cost. Uh, when considering moving into this arena, do your research. One company's product may not fit or work with another company's kit, but each of the companies at the top end of the market has dedicated input-output devices. Uh, but they're only going to work with that company's product. Uh, probably the, the two most up there sources are the CP Flight in Gravity Alliance and the Flight Deck Solutions product. Uh, CP Flight give us the MIP 737 expansions, and from FDS, of course, their SIS boards are worth looking at. So, basically, um, that just about covers it all for today. Uh, but whatever you choose to do, enjoy what you do. And just as a final sort of uh, statement, really, um, whichever way you decide to interface with your simulator, no way is right, no way is wrong. If you're comfortable with what you're doing, then enjoy it. Because basically, we're all taking a different road to the same destination. I, I really can't agree with you more. Enjoy what you do and um, I'm sure you'll do it right. Search well and uh, enjoy what you do. So yeah, what can our listeners expect in the next edition of the podcast? Well, what I'm planning for the next uh, podcast is an introduction to simple electronics because what's gonna, what you're going to want to happen is throw a switch and not only do you get an action, you want a light coming on or you want something else happening. So we'll be taking a look at simple wiring um, and simple electronics next time. 
and thanks you again um, we'll be back uh, very soon with our next edition you can read about this and uh, listen to these podcasts at any time from uh, www.mycockpit.org or at ian's own website www.737ng.co.uk thank you ian thanks for your time you have a good day thank you for listening that was an excellent discussion with ian a lot of good information Ian and Vibau, thank you for that wonderful discussion. That concludes this session of Tips and Discussions on how to plan and build your cockpit, hosted by our very own Vibau. Next session, we'll bring you another informational discussion regarding building your cockpit. Thanks to all of you, my cockpit is the largest home cockpit builders community in the world, providing an encyclopedia of cockpit building information. You can access my cockpit at www.mycockpit.org. We want to thank the folks at FS Break for their support and technical assistance. FS Break is a weekly audio podcast that covers all things about flight sim, including news, reviews, and much more. You can find out more information about FS Break at fsbreak.net. 